Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Istanbul, Turkey with my new friend, Andrea Lemieux of thequirkycork.com. She came to Turkey for a job, then fell in love with their wine and transitioned into writing about Turkish wine full-time. Andrea loves the rich tapestry of native grapes in this country and has earned a formal wine certifications along the way. In this episode, Andrea and I talk about exploring the harems up to Kapi Palace, visiting the Blue Mosque, and shopping at the Grand Bazaar. You hear about these three amazing experiences, plus so much more. If you know someone that wants to visit Turkey, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide to Andrea's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Istanbul. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Andrea, welcome to the show. Hi, Lee. Thanks so much for having me. Well, right on. So today we're talking about Istanbul, Turkey. And I know from looking at your website, we're actually going to take a little bit of a, a different slant than a lot of people are, are normally think about when they are when they think of Turkey. And your website has a lot to do with wine, correct? Yes, that's mostly what my website is about. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I got married at a winery, and so I enjoy a few glasses here and there. And so <laughs> love, love to be able to learn from you. I'm happy to tell you as much as I can about Turkish wine in the small amount of time we have. Fantastic. So what's your connection to, to, to Turkey and, and what brought you there? I was transferred here for a job. I used to work out of DC and uh, an opportunity came up to do like a short-term posting here. And I came knowing that it was not going to be short-term. My bosses did not know this. <laughs> I'd been here before as a tourist, completely fell in love with the city, and yeah, just grabbed the opportunity to move here, and I've been here ever since. That's so fantastic. Yeah, my my friend April uh, went to Turkey a few years ago, and, and she came back just raving about how amazing it was and everything like that, and I just haven't had a chance to go yet, but I'm really looking forward to learning from you and, and hopefully be able to book a trip here soon. Well, and if you do, you've got a tour guide, so please. Absolutely. Well, right on. So if you had to describe like the people or the city of, of Istanbul in just a couple of words, how would you do that? Uh, chaotic, but welcoming. <laughs> if that makes <laughs> any sense. The people are so nice. There is, there's such a culture of hospitality and there's even a word for it in Turkish, which it's, it doesn't directly translate into English, but it kind of means like everything is for the guest. It's also a city of 20 million people. And so many of them drive and it's, it, it really, it's a hugely energetic, chaotic city. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I think it's a, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I think it'd be just like kind of brings you alive being around that much energy. But if you're more of an introvert, I guess it could also be kind of draining. It is quite exhausting. It takes a lot some days to go outside my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome though. So, okay. So if people are coming, planning on coming to Istanbul, I assume there's direct flights from the U.S. or do we have to stop over in, in Europe someplace? It's going to depend on which airline you choose. But I mean, and I'm not trying to make advertisements for them because it's not like they give me discounts, but Turkish Airlines has direct flights 
from a lot of cities in the U.S. And they're actually adding more kind of every other year or so. So, you know, like Chicago, D.C., Las Vegas, L.A., uh, New York, Newark. They're opening one to Detroit in, I think, November. Depending on where you're coming from, it's pretty easy to get a direct flight or you will go through, you know, London, Germany. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I, I know here in Nashville, we're expanding our, our airport, adding a lot more international flights. So Turkish Airlines, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, <laughs> add, add a flight here from Nashville, uh, <laughs> you know, selfishly. But uh, beyond that, if people are planning their trip, I know there are actually two different airports there in Istanbul, right? Yes, correct. So which one? Yeah, which one kind of depends on where you're coming from. If you're coming from the U.S., the chances are you'll come into the new big airport, which is just cleverly called the Istanbul Airport. If you're coming from Europe, you have your choice of one or the other. And honestly, it, it's really price driven. The older airport, Sabiha Gürkçen, which is on the Asian side of the city, is now completely connected by metro. So you don't even have to worry about catching the right bus or cab or anything. But both airports have regular buses, like shuttle buses, not city buses, that go from the airport to certain parts of the city. So it's really easy to get into the city regardless of which airport you land in. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I normally try to avoid driving if I can. And I, I, I think I prefer using the public transportation just because I think you get a better feel for the people and like the living there. Plus, when I'm driving, I can't enjoy the sights because I'm focused on not crashing, you know, so. <laughs> Which I have to say would be a real big potential here. I mean, <laughs> driving laws are kind of suggestions. <laughs> so, okay. So based on that, you'd recommend people using the public transportation rather than uh, renting a car? Most definitely. I mean, for one thing, even if, even if you're a fantastic driver, parking is a nightmare, but public transportation here is continuously expanding. So the metro goes to so many places now. The buses go everywhere the metro doesn't. We have boats that are part of the public transportation, which is just fun. Uh, and all you have to do is get one transportation card. It covers all of the different methods. And you really only need one card for you know, however many people you are, because here you only tap to get on public transportation method, you don't have to also then tap when you're exiting the system. Oh, okay. Uh, and then are there taxis and like Uber and those type of things as well? Or is, is that something we should avoid? There are taxis. We do have Uber. Uber is just taxis though. We have a number of taxi apps. <laughs> However, as much as you can, I would suggest avoiding taxis. Honestly, taxis from the airport are usually pretty safe because they have a lot of checks and balances, but city taxis, they're big jerks <laughs> and they're, <laughs> they're pretty infamous for ripping off tourists and they won't stop and pick you up. Or if you're using an app, they'll, they'll pick you up. They'll show on the app that they've picked you up, but then they'll cancel two seconds later. Uber is especially well known for doing that. So, and, and with, with the traffic here, frankly, unless you're carrying a whole lot of stuff, Getting a cab is not faster than public transportation. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I forgot to, uh, to ask. Let's take a step back as far as like getting to Turkey. To get into the country, do we need any sort of visas or any other things other than besides our passport? 
yes, Americans do need visas. Um, you can get them online. I'm sorry, I forgot to look up the website and I don't remember it off the top of my head. <laughs> but if you Google Turkey visa, you'll want to go down a few results because usually the first couple that pop up are like visa services, not the official country website. You don't need a visa service. It's all online. You just fill out some information. I think it might be $60 these days. Pay with your credit card and it's almost instantaneous that you receive it. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And then also, like you talked about as far as using public transportation and interacting with the people, do many of them speak English or do we need to learn a little bit of the local language or, or how does that work? Well, I mean, I think it's always good to learn a little bit of the local language. If you're in the super touristy areas, like in Istanbul, in Sultanahmet, where the Hagia Sophia, the Topkapi Palace, etc., are, there's a fair amount of English there. But kind of once you get out of those big touristy areas, the English disappears pretty quickly. I mean, I hate to say that you don't need language because, yeah, I'm a big proponent of learning at least some of the local language when you visit. But, you know, restaurants have menus in multiple languages. So even if the waiters don't speak English, you can point at the English version of, you know, what you want and they'll, oh, sure. they'll, they'll figure it out. And <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you don't need it, but it's nice to have it. Okay. And then same thing, like, you know, like you said, you talked about going to a restaurant there. Are credit cards widely accepted or do we, uh, do we need local currency or do they accept U.S. dollars? Uh, they do not. Well, they don't officially accept U.S. dollars. <laughs> sure. I mean, everybody will take money if you want to give it to them, right? Yeah, exactly. But in restaurants and normal shops and, and whatnot, yes, credit cards, absolutely no problem, particularly if you're a visa holder, Amex and MasterCard, those are a little bit more hit or miss. Currency is always good to have, especially because if you're paying in cash in places like the Grand Bazaar or, you know, you've decided you want to buy carpets or, you know, whatever, kind of like larger ticket items, it's a big bundle of cash, but you can usually get discounts on the item if you're paying in cash. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's kind of the same thing, whether you're in the U S or, yeah, or Turkey or anywhere in the world, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> and there are exchange offices everywhere here. Most of them give you pretty much the same rate as the other one. It, it does vary a little bit in the city, but if you're exchanging money, honestly, I would suggest trying to get a little Turkish currency before you come from your local bank, because you don't want to exchange in the airport. That is always going to be the worst exchange rate. Yeah, absolutely. There, there. <laughs> it's like a, a sucker markup at the airport. It really is. Okay, so let's get back to being in in Istanbul and, and going around and everything. Are there certain areas of the city that you recommend getting a hotel in, and and do you have any favorites? I guess it depends. Well, first, where depends a little bit more on where you want to be, like if it's your first time in the city, I would definitely recommend a hotel in Sultanahmet area or in Beyoğlu, which is the area where there's the Galata Tower and the famous Istiklal Caddesi, because that's, you're right in the center of things there. You know, if you've been here a couple few more times, you know, explore one of the cooler, smaller neighborhoods. Absolutely. Do I have favorite hotels? I honestly don't. I would, however, like to state a preference for hotels over Airbnbs. We have a great number of Airbnbs here, and I understand why people like them, but the local population is not super pleased with them because they, 
have driven up real estate prices and they make it real hard for the rest of us to actually find apartments to rent. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a problem in a lot of areas around the world. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I mean, same thing for for people, for these big corporations that buy a bunch of houses, makes up the drive up prices even for houses, let alone apartments. Exactly, exactly. But there are so many different hotels here and you can find everything from really cute in boutique to if you feel safer in uh, like a chain hotel we have all of the ramadas and the hiltons and the the marmaros and the, I, gosh i can't remember some other chain hotels but we've <laughs> sure, got sure. all of them <laughs> nice yeah because i mean that's good because i you know i like to use my points when i travel to be able to save money so being able to stay at a hilton or a marriott or a hyatt definitely makes it a little bit easier to be able to save money that way I have a little bit more money to be able to spend on the attractions and like in food experiences and everything like that or buying local wine. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so speaking of that, what are some of like the must do attractions when we visit Istanbul? Definitely Sultan Ahmed. You have to do the whole Sultan Ahmed experience, see the blue mosque, Topkapi palace. And when you're in Topkapi palace, you definitely want to pay the extra charge for the harem because they get you with that in a few museums here. You pay one ticket price for the museum, but then there's a second ticket price for the harem, and it's the best part. And, and what is the harem? The harem would have been where the women lived. And I know a lot of people have Arabian Nights images of what happens in a harem, but the harem really was just the women's domain. <laughs> and they're really beautifully appointed rooms that they have restored to you know such great heights. It's really beautiful. I would agree. Like even in my house, my side of the of the bedroom is definitely not as nice as my wife's side. You know, so the the women always know how to live much better than the men. You know, I will just say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you also want to go to the Basilica Cistern, which has also been recently renovated. That's fan, it's a phenomenal experience, and of course the Grand Bazaar and the Spice Market and. There are so many mosques. It's not just the blue mosque. I mean, really be comfortable poking your head into mosques because as long as it's not prayer time, there's no problem with tourists going in. Okay. Yeah. I think it's one of those things you always want to be respectful, uh, especially with somebody's religion, you know, but I know that the the buildings for these churches and, and mosques and everything are, are just, they generally some of the most beautiful buildings in the cities around the world. So you always want to go in there and see, but you also want to be respectful to make sure you're not interrupting people. Exactly. And I mean, they have big signs up to say what time prayer time is because it does change depending on the time of the year. And if you look like an obvious tourist, there are usually guards who won't let you in. So you don't really have to worry about stumbling in during a prayer service. And as long as you remember to take off your shoes and women cover their heads, you know, it's, it's absolutely fine to go in. You can take pictures. No problem. Okay. And then, you know, like if I am traveling with my wife going into one of these buildings, then how, how would we get like a, a head covering for her? Uh, well, if you don't bring your own scarf, I mean, scarves are one of the number one things that people sell here. And I barely wear scarves, but I have such a huge collection of them because they're so beautiful. I can't help myself from buying <laughs> new ones every year. So you can either buy one to bring home or some of the larger mosques like the Blue Mosque and Suleimania, they often have things for tourists to wear, particularly if somebody forgets and they rock up in shorts or something because, you know, you definitely can't go in wearing shorts. Oh, okay. So they'll, okay. they'll have scarves and, you know, kind of think like choir robe covering style things. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, same thing like if I'm traveling with my children, uh, I like to travel with them a lot. Are there any sp- special rules for traveling with children as well? No. And uh, with female children, should you have any or any of your listeners have any? Uh, depending on their age, if they're young enough, they don't have to cover up. I'd say under 10 to be on the safe side. But Turkey is one of those magical countries. They love children here. They love kids. And I've you know, taken friends with toddlers to dinner in places. And particularly if their restaurant is empty enough, the waiter will just take your kid and go entertain it somewhere. And then you can have a nice adult dinner with adult conversation while your child is being entertained in the kitchen or something. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's fantastic. Although, uh, as a parent, I, be, I might be a little sketchy. Hey, here, here, random stranger. Here's my child, and and uh, I'll see you in a couple hours. <laughs> that's always a little tough. Definitely, definitely. It's just I I say that to mean that that's kind of the level of appreciation that they have for children here. Sure, so traveling sure. with children here is absolutely no problem. Nice. Now, uh, also like speaking of traveling with my children, I, I try to take them to museums and other you know, important sites of the different places we travel. Are there any uh, museums you'd recommend? Yes. The archaeology museum is often overlooked and it is right there in Sultan Ahmed. It's actually very near the Topkapa Palace. That's really cool. There are a few different museums that have focus for children, some more interactive things. And there's also... I take everyone here and everyone thinks it's a joke, but it really isn't. It's called Miniaturk. It's a little bit outside the city. Well, it's not outside the city. It's just not near a metro. So it's a, it's an easy bus back and forth. Let's say that. And what Miniaturk is, is it is small but scaled representations of the most important buildings across Turkey. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually took my daughter to something similar to that in Brussels. Okay. Yes. Yes, they have one. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Yes, and it's so much fun. And because this is also a city of cats, there are cats everywhere. They are often just wandering around this exhibition, and you know, one of them will just be laid across a palace courtyard or something, and they look like <laughs> giant cat monsters, and it's fabulous. Nice, that's awesome. Now, uh, when you're talking about all these museums, obviously, when you're traveling, you know, those costs build up quite quickly, right? I know some cities have like passes or something like that where you pay once and you get into a bunch of different attractions. Do they have something like that there? Yes, there are several different options like that. One is just a museum card. And I think it's the price is based on how long you want it to be good for, you know, like two days versus three days, that kind of a thing. And those you can buy just essentially at the first museum that you go to. Those are only good for the museums that are run by the state, but there are other, there are other websites like Istanbul Pass, I think one of them is called, where you can buy a pass through this company that will get you into more than just the state museums. And in some cases, I think also comes with guided tours. Oh, nice. And earlier you were talking about like some of the bazaars and everything like that and like, and buying carpets and, and stuff like that. You hear stories of friends that they've gone to the bazaar. They had no intention of buying a carpet. <laughs> and next thing you know, they're coming home with a thousand dollar carpet that, uh, that they're not sure where they're going to put in their house. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that if you do get sucked into a carpet shop, which is, it's really very easy to do because they are so friendly and they just want to offer you tea and talk to you. It does not matter how long you spend in there and how many of those carpets they get out and unfurl for your inspection. 
you do not have to buy one. Like you are not under any obligation to do so. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, some of the best carpet shops are actually found in the smaller neighborhoods. So if, if someone is in the carpet market, yeah, you want to look more where people live. Sure. Yeah. You're going to, you're not going to have that tourist markup on the, on the prices. Exactly. Nice. Well, I know one of the the major experiences when you're traveling is checking out the local cuisine. Like let's talk about some of the, some of the food places that are the, the, the best options in Istanbul. What are some of your recommendations? Well, it depends a little bit on what kind of food that you're looking for. There are quite a few different things. So there's you know, there's the street food. You have to try the street food. We have the sea meat, which is unfairly called the Turkish bagel. It is not a bagel. <laughs> I mean, it looks like one because it's a piece of round bread, but it's covered in toasted sesame seeds. And especially when they're fresh, they are just delicious bready goodness. There's also the dinner kebabs. We have something called wet hamburgers which most people think is drunk food, but I actually am quite fond of them. And what they are is a spicy meat patty between two buns. And it's been essentially just sitting in its own juice all day. So it is a little bit of a wet mess, but they're very good. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the next step up, the kebab restaurants. Well, I think if you want to try the kebab, because there are so many kinds of kebabs, it's actually a little mind boggling. My favorite place is called Konak Kebab, and it's right on Istiklal, Jadesi, and Istiklal is the major thoroughfare here. So finding that is is not going to be a problem, and it's right at one end of it, so easily found. It has every kind of Turkish kebab you could ever imagine, as well as pitas, which are, people call them Turkish pizzas, lahmacun, which is how do you describe lahmacun? It's a large flat bread, usually with a spicy tomato paste that you put roca and squeeze lemon on it and you roll it up and eat it and it's, oh, it's fabulous. So this is kind of like your Turkish food experience, really. <laughs> uh, but if you want to go a little bit higher end, there are places like one of my favorites is called Aheste and they have seasonal tasting menus. So you can do little tastings of, of what they have. Uh, we have Michelin star restaurants now. Uh, Mikla is the most well-known of those, I think. But there's also Neo Local. I think they also got a, a Michelin star. Yeni Lokanta is a very well-respected meze restaurant. And mezes are a big thing in Turkey. Like the food sharing and the camaraderie around the table have you know, really made those popular star restaurants. And Yeni Lokanta is one of the top. But my favorite restaurant is called Mürverj. That's my absolute favorite. And it's at the top of a Novo hotel. So also handy if you're looking for a hotel. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. It's nice to be able to be able to pop up to the top, enjoy your good meal, and then be able to roll back down to your bed and, and take a nice nap. And after you eat there, you will just want to roll right back into bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, uh, one of the other things I heard about is something called Turkish breakfast. What is that and, and where should we go for that? Yes, Turkish breakfast is such a thing. The main staples of Turkish breakfast will be some fresh tomatoes and cucumbers, fresh herbs, a few different kinds of cheeses. There's usually an egg of some sort involved. Sujuk, which is a Turkish, I don't is it a sausage or a salami? It's somewhere in between. 
And then there's honey and there's something called Kaimok, which I guess think clotted cream if you're thinking about what Kaimok is. And then all of the Turkish tea that you could want. But then you can add on things. You can add different types of egg dishes and something called gözleme, which is kind of like a savory crepe that you can stuff with cheese or meat or potatoes or anything. There are fresh juices. They are really big on fresh juice here. It's your meal for the day, Turkish breakfast. <laughs> oh, yeah. It sounds like you're, you're definitely going to have a full belly as you go out there and, and start exploring around. That's fun. <laughs> A lot of hotels offer something somewhat similar just in their general breakfast spread. Uh, but there are dedicated breakfast restaurants. There are a few different ones in a neighborhood called Jihangir. My favorite is called Doiz, which means we are natural. Uh, Von Kavalta. There are many restaurants called Von Kavalta because the style of breakfast is famously from the city Von, which is in the east of the country. And if you make it to a neighborhood called Beshiktas, there is an entire street dedicated to breakfast. So <laughs> nice. Seriously, if you Google like Istanbul Turkish breakfast, you'll get just lists of places. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, breakfast is one of my favorite foods of the day. And if I can go to an entire neighborhood that's dedicated just to breakfast, I would be like in Nirvana right there. Yes, it's fabulous. <laughs> well, Andrew, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips. Now I know why my friend uh, April had such a wonderful time when she visited Turkey. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Istanbul, where should they go and what should they eat? I am going to say not kebab. I would actually send you to the restaurant I mentioned, Mürvaj. It's, I mean, maybe I would call it Nouveau Haute Turkish Cuisine. They have everything, seriously, everything on their list is amazing. But my particular favorite dish is slow braised oxtail. It's the most flavorful oxtail you will ever have. It's between two pieces of katmer, which don't really know how to explain katmer other than to say it is a bread-like substance and you just have to come and try it to experience it. <laughs> and then it's served with spicy yogurt on the side. It is so delicious. So delicious. Well, that sounds fantastic. Now, like you said, you've been, you originally visited Turkey as a tourist and you already kind of started planning in your mind your, your return on a more permanent basis. So I'm sure you have a lot of great memories. What's one of the most memorable? I think it was... And you would have to live here maybe to appreciate this experience. I was in Ankara, I think two years ago, talking at, at a wine event about the native grapes from the Aegean region. And the audience was all English speaking because it was mostly like embassy staff because being in Ankara. But of course, all the winemakers there were, were Turkish. And I was talking about this particular grape and could not for the life of me remember the word elevation in English. <laughs> and I just looked blankly at this row of winemakers in front of me and said, you know, in Turkish, how do you, how do you say this word? What is this word? And then they who had, before we began the conference all said, you know, Hey, if we forget any English, if we slip up, will, will you help us? <laughs> but so now they're helping me with my English. And it was, it was just such a moment. <laughs> That is so awesome. I think it's one of those, the great things about traveling internationally and like living abroad is you get so enmeshed into the culture and like you kind of forget like your, your old self and you've created a new self. Very much so. And because I have done all of my wine education and all of my wine explorations 
have been in Turkey, I think wine in Turkish a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, speaking of, uh, of good times and happy memories and, and drinking a little wine, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in, in Istanbul? Is it, is it one of the wineries that you recommend? There are not a ton of uh, happy hours per se, but I think for me, the best place to get a drink, there are two really fabulous wine bars here that I recommend to everyone. One is called Wayana. It's on the Asian side of the city. So you also get a chance to take a boat, maybe see some dolphins on the way and visit Asia. Wayana has an extensive wine list and they serve every single wine by the glass. So it's a really cool way to try almost every Turkish wine you could think of. The other one is called Solera. That's in the Beyoğlu neighborhood, very near Istiklal. So it's very central for, especially for most visitors. And Solera has a very special place in my heart. It's my, my local, if you will. I've lived around it for nine years. The owner, Suleiman, grows his own grapes. He was a big supporter of mine when I started my wine journey. And the staff there is just so nice. They know their wines in and out and are always happy to help people find things. That sounds fantastic. Both are great experiences. And I see there's no reason to have to pick just one. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things I always do when I travel is check out the local pizza. Uh, what's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Istanbul? Yeah, pepperoni is generally a no-go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ironically, we have the quadrifecta of American pizza joints. We have Papa John's, we have Domino's, we have Pizza Hut, we have Little Caesars. There is still no pepperoni. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there are uh, Italian-style pizza has become fairly popular here. So there are a couple of different places. Pizzeria Piedros, I think, is one. Pizza is pretty easy to find here. Hey, no, that's good. I generally try to stay away from like, <laughs> the quadrifecta that you mentioned. Don't we all? But sometimes <laughs> you just really want that Papa John's garlic sauce, man. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing is like people always kind of laugh at me about eating pizza whenever I travel. But it's like, you know, when you're especially on a, on a longer trip or you're like what you're doing is, you know, living abroad, you sometimes just you get a little home, homesick. Right. And you need a little taste of home just to kind of you know, satiate yourself and then they, you can go back to exploring all the, all the local delicacies. You absolutely do. And I mean, to that effect, I would definitely say if people are shying away from eating pizza while they're here, try a Turkish pide. It is very similar to, to pizza in its bread with yummy stuff on top of it, usually including cheese. They don't often have sauce. That would be the difference, but yeah, try Turkish pide. And where would we go for that? Oh my goodness, almost any Turkish restaurant is going to have a couple few pitas on their menu. Okay, cool. Well, obviously you've traveled a lot going, you know, starting your journey for work, getting to Turkey and going back and forth and now living there full time. What's one of your best travel tips? I think, honestly, one of my best travel tips, and this goes back to something we were talking about earlier, is it seems so obvious, but so many people don't do it, is learn how to say a few words in whatever that language is, hello, thank you, maybe a couple of the expressions that people use frequently in that country because it is so appreciated. And here, Turks especially, if you if you can bust out a hello, a thank you, and an afiyet olsun, they, they're just so happy and they big happy smiles. Absolutely. I think even if they speak English, just showing the effort to, to learn a little bit of the language basically shows that respect for them. And, uh, you know, they generally open up a lot more uh, right do. after that. They really appreciate it. 
Well, Andrew, uh, I, again, I really appreciate coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? And we want to hear a little bit about your book too. Yes. Thank you. So I have a day job that is really quite boring, but <laughs> my real passion is wine. And I started my wine journey in Turkey up to and including writing a book called The Essential Guide to Turkish Wine, which is the first and only definitive book about wine in Turkish wine in, in English. And around that, I also do, I give wine tastings in Istanbul. I work with a company called Vines and Pearls, which does like winery tours and yacht board wine tastings. Although I would appreciate nobody book those because I get terribly seasick. Uh, <laughs> I, I also consult for some U.S. importers to help connect them with Turkish wineries. So kind of outside of my day job, my whole life is about Turkish wine and really trying to get people interested in it and try to get them to come and you know taste what I'm talking about. No, it sounds like a perfect side hustle. And uh, anytime I can surround myself with delicious grapes and tasty wine, that sounds like a good day. Well, Andrea, again, we'll definitely include links to all these in the show notes. And uh, thanks for all these great tips. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. It's my pleasure. And please, anytime anyone needs any Istanbul recommendations, reach out. I'm happy to help. What an awesome conversation with Andrea. I've heard so many wonderful stories from friends who visited Turkey, and I need to experience it for myself. You can find all the links we talked about today and our one-page guide to Andrea's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Istanbul. We want to say thank you to Wardwall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash awardwallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we head to Mexico City, Mexico to speak with my new friend Alex Vega of vibeadventures.com. In this episode, Alex and I talk about visiting the Frida Kahlo Museum, eating fried insects at Mercado San Juan, and exploring the Chapultepec Castle. We hope you join us when we travel there. I love hearing your feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at We Travel There or email me at wetravelthere.com forward slash contact to share your thoughts. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.